How's it going, Mark? Good. How are you, John? I'm doing fantastic, man. Uh, yeah. What, what, are we, what are we doing here? We're just talking about a show about nothing? Talking about a show about nothing. Welcome to the All Things Seinfeld cast. I'm your <laughs> racist of Kramers with my curly kinky hair. No, 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 no. Not even a little bit. No. What is this? This isn't the, the Seinfeld podcast. Johnny, what are we doing, man? Uh, this is dang old podcast, man. This is a, this is a dang really old, old podcast, podcast, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is uh, probably just uh, some pet project that, hell, even if it only is you and me listening to it, it's uh, going to be fun as hell to record. And that's fine with me. Like... Yeah, welcome to Dangle Podcast. Um, this is a, I guess we're going to call it, for right now, this is our pilot episode of what will probably be a weekly King of the Hill podcast, where I, Mark, and my co-host... Johnny, or John, whatever you want to call him. Or John, Johnny, Johnny. <laughs> JD, um, Big D in the kids' table. Uh, <laughs> All of the fun stuff. Johnny Danger. <laughs> Johnny Danger. The Rage Cage to my Jack Black. We're going to talk about King of the Hill. We're just... Under the okay, so here's the idea. We've we've been kicking this around for some time, and we both love King of the Hill. We do. But as I've aged, I don't think I like it so much. Okay. And I kind of wanted to do this with you to see, like, is King of the Hill still good? Am I just being like a weird apologetic asshole or not? So yeah, this is a weekly King of the Hill podcast. We're going to talk about King of the Hill. But before we do that, because it is our introductory episode, why don't we start with introductions? Johnny, how do you feel about King of the Hill? Uh, I absolutely adore King of the Hill. Now, uh, I've been watching, uh, we'll say, adult animation, uh, not with XXXs, but just like older person's animation, uh, my entire life. I'm like 10 days older than the premiere episode of The Simpsons. I've grown up watching The Simpsons and Family Guy and Futurama and and all this stuff. And uh, probably my sophomore year of college, I really got into King of the Hill because I really started looking at it and going like, there's some really fun themes here. They did a lot of really cool character work here. And, uh, it, like, in my opinion, I, I know your, your opinion's a little bit different on this, there's really not, a vi- like, a very bad season of King of the Hill. Like, it's got some stinker episodes, but I think, shit, there's gold nuggets everywhere in there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've watched through the series about 10, 11, 12 times. Like, it's a lot. Especially when you consider there's, like, 16 seasons. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm a huge fan of Mike Judge. Uh, pretty much anything that guy does, I have watched and I have adored. I really love Silicon Valley. Uh, I think it's a, pretty much a universal truth that you have to like Office Space. And mm-hmm. uh, I grew up watching Beavis and Butthead, and the guy that brought you Beavis and Butthead really can do no wrong. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair statement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, tell me, tell me a little bit. How did you find King of the Hill, Mark? Because I've never actually asked you that. Yeah, probably the same way that you did. It was, I grew up watching The Simpsons, and I absolutely loved it. I'm only, I think, what, a year and a half older than you or something, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially, we're the we're in the pretty we're pretty much the same age bracket, but, like, um, you know, I grew up watching Simpsons, and then with that, like, you grew up watching Fox, and then all of a sudden, this Sunday on Fox, King of the Hill, and so I watched it then when it first came out, and I don't know if I got it, but it was fine, and then I got a little bit older... And it was still around. I remember getting into a lot of trouble for, okay, the, the re-emergent virgin episode. With Luann. With Luann. I got in so much trouble for Owen Wilson talking about getting the massage and, like, nutting in his shorts. <laughs> like, yeah. from my mom. What filth are you watching? What is this? Like, it's, it's King of the Hill. And I'm like, I'm like 13, 14, you know? Like, I'm sure. not a little kid at this point. And so then King of the Hill became this kind of, like, weird, dirty thing. And... 
then you're oh, then you can't watch it because it's weird and dirty, I guess. Because you know, parents get weird. I don't know. Parents just don't understand. Sure. And so then when you can't watch a thing, well, that's all you want to do is watch that thing. So oh, I really got into it, especially with the like, because Fox was playing it pretty just regularly. And then I want to say it showed up on Adult Swim, but I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember when, but it seems like it for some at some point there, King of the Hill was just always on in the background. So and like you, I've watched the entire series a couple times and I love it. I really do. But. Whereas I will apologize for Simpsons getting bad over 33 years because you be funny after 33 years. I really think King of the Hill kind of nosedives after, I want to say, like, season seven. And it just doesn't pull out of it. And I don't know. That's okay. what we're going to try and figure out. Yeah. 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 So. I mean, it's going to take us a while to get there. But we got a lot of really good shit to get there. So that's kind of the fun yeah. part. Like, we got a lot of really good stuff coming up in front of us. I got, like, four months of happiness before it just... Before it all just kind of tanks, and you gotta start Four dealing with people of... like Lucky. Oh God, don't start! Not yet. I'm not ready. <laughs> Four months of hat penis. Hat penis. <laughs> That's oh, next stuff. episode. What are we doing? <laughs> that is next episode. So uh, today we're going to talk about the pilots. Yes. The pilot of King of the Hill. Now, I definitely did not watch this. Uh, well, if I did, I don't remember watching it when it came out. Um, I know when I was growing up, I was always a Simpsons fan, and when I had to be forced to watch an episode of King of the Hill, either before or after The Simpsons, and I didn't just get an extra episode of The Simpsons, I was like, this is stupid. I hate it. I don't want to watch any more of this. Just give me more Simpsons. So I also, I, before you go on any further, sorry, I think this is important to point out. We both sort of grew up at the same time in the same part of Colorado, so we would have yeah. had the, like... But that's but you just mentioned it with the double Simpsons, and then I remember when they switched from two Simpsons to one Simpsons, one King of the Hill, and that's right. I was pissed. I hated that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I don't want to see that. I want to watch the same six episodes of the Simpsons that they always showed. I want to see the one where they go to Japan. God damn it. Yeah, exactly. Like what the hell? Uh, so I definitely I don't think I watched the pilot when it originally aired. Um, but like I said, I, I found it again, and I really kind of gave it more of a shot when I was in college. Well, let's just say I was a little more enlightened then. Uh, yeah, but yeah, our yeah. original air date for the pilot is January 12, 1997. Mark, can oh, you remember God. anything that happened in 1997? Um, so I know I just said I lived in Denver, but at this time we were living in Colorado Springs, and I remember a huge blizzard, and that's about it. I'm pretty sure Columbine happened in 1997, but I can't even be sure about that. No, that was yeah. April 20th, 1999. 99, okay. So Not to be a total weirdo about it, but... Yeah. <laughs> when you live in Colorado, I think it's forgivable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's right. BC and AC, like. <laughs> That's very, very true. But well, we're not talking about school shootings. We'll... We are, we, I really hope that's not what this turns into. That would be very dark. Is King of the Hill connected to the Zionist agenda that created Columbine and Sandy Hook? Well, we're going to find out, goddammit. No. Yeah, make, make sure you turn into Alt.Black.Helicopters by Dale Gribble, our second <laughs> sister podcast coming out next week. <laughs> I'm in the, I said I'm going to grow an empire of podcasts Let's do this, yeah we'll... uh, Back on track So uh, our back on track. characters I've got this old really nifty list here Pulled up in front of me And some of these names are going to be very familiar And a couple of them are going to be like Who in the hell is that? Even if you are familiar with the characters here So of course we've got Hank Hill, Peggy Hill, and Bobby Hill The Hill family mm-hmm. We've also got Luann Platter Also family in a weird kind of tangential way. Yes. Mark, you, uh, you're you familiar with the origins of Luann's name, right? 
Uh, isn't it something about like at the, what is it? Some restaurant Luby's or something that they had the Luan platter and Mike judge was taken with it. That is very, yeah, that's shockingly close here. Uh, yeah, it's some, I guess some big Texas staple named Luby's has got what's called the Luan platter, which is like, it's something disgusting, like almost 5,000 calories. And it's just this massive Texas size pile of deep fried nonsense. Uh, but I always thought it was kind of funny that they made her the Luan platter. <laughs> All right, we've also got Hank's neighbors, Dale, Nancy, and Joseph Gribble. We also mm-hmm. meet, uh, we're, I'm not going to say his first name because that's not something that's introduced until I think maybe the third to last episode. Uh, we're just going to call him Boomhauer. Boomhauer, yeah. We've also got uh, Guillaume Dautrieve, or Mr. Bill Dautrieve. Sergeant Nancy, Barber. Sergeant Barber, William Dautrieve. So Dale, Boomhauer, and Bill are Hank's, uh, they're, they're his neighbors, they're his best friends, he's known them forever. Um, you know, I, I want to say they all met, uh, oh, had to have been grade school, because they all did order the straight arrow together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Which so, weirdly I'm, doesn't match up with Bill's time, whatever, we'll get there later, we'll get there It, it doesn't, I definitely four, wrote but... down some notes about that today. Uh, but it's also so the also... pilot episode, like... How often in the pilot does everything you get in the pilot stick to the... That's why it's a pilot. You you, you launch that's it and true. see what sticks and yeah. But that's anyway. very I, true. Uh, unless yeah. you're somebody like absolutely insane like Futurama where they put shit in their pilot that pays off five seasons later. I was going to say, unless you're like, yeah, Matt Groening, then yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So then uh, we also have a couple of, uh, well, there's unnamed characters, but we know them. They, they get named a little bit later. Uh, so Buckley shows up. Buckley is mm-hmm. Luann's boyfriend, but nobody says that he's Luann's boyfriend, and nobody names him Buckley, but we all know he's Buckley. He shows up in the Megalomart. <laughs> he really wants to show Hank where a hammer is. <laughs> We've also got a very uh, interesting Cotton Hill callback. Yep. And Cotton Hill is not named, but you, I, I was looking at uh, the King of the Hill Wikipedia page today. Um, uh-huh. And I didn't realize because I was like, I don't remember Cotton Hill in the first episode, but he has a speaking line. He also is constantly seen in the background. There's a younger picture of him that Hank has in his bedroom, which I think is kind of strange when you look at it. Why would you hang a picture of your dad in your bedroom? Uh, yeah. <laughs> For, right. I guess I don't know because like, what do people put in their bedrooms? I don't know. What what do adults put in their bedrooms in the '90s? You know. Uh, that's well I mean I can see some family pictures yeah but I would put my dad in there like I maybe I put my kids but if I'm gonna be bumping uglies with my wife I don't want my dad watching me do it <laughs> my god you've got a fat sack <laughs> oh perfect um, <laughs> all right so we have uh, it's a cameo character that he only shows up a couple more times in the whole series. And I always thought it was kind of cool that they brought him back from the pilot later on in the series. But at mm-hmm. one, Anthony Page works for uh, Child Protective Services. And he is kind of uh-huh. one of the linchpins of the episode in this, in this episode. We also have a couple of other characters that are named, but we won't meet for quite some time. One for like ten seasons and another one for about five. So we meet uh, Hoyt and Leanne Platter. They're Luann's parents. Uh, Hank and Peggy are, in fact, family with her. But Luann now stays with them because Hoyt and Leanne are kind of trailer trash. Because Hoyt is Peggy's brother. Hoyt is Peggy's brother. Yes, yeah. that's the family connection right there. Okay. And then, has Mama tried to stab Daddy with a fork yet or no? Uh, that happens this episode. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's all going yeah, yeah, yeah. 
on real uh, real episodes of the Highway Patrol. Yes. <laughs> real stories of the Highway Patrol. <laughs> okay. So our synopsis here of our pilot episode. After an unfortunate accident leaves Bobby Hill with a black eye, Child Protective Services is called out to the Hill residence to investigate allegations of child abuse in the Hill home. Bobby takes advantage of the situation, tormenting his dad, Hank, long after the investigation has been called off. This is a dark way to start a very funny show. It is, but... I don't know, though, because you think about Mike Judge's stuff. I feel like Beavis and Butthead is reasonably dark anyway. True. I would definitely Not dark, but just, you know, less than... It's not shiny. It's not sparkly. It's... if. If you wore a Beavis and Butthead shirt, it would make your mother cry because that was bad boy humor. And you didn't do that, you know? So I don't know. That's, that is very true. I don't know. The idea that, you know, we're going to open up our, our family, like our everyday man show with him potentially getting his kid taken away by CPS. That seems a little messed up to me, but it works. But that it was so you. much of like movie plot and stuff in the in the 90s. Like, isn't that the point of Big Daddy was like, I'm going to lie about custody of a child and CPS can't do dick? Yeah, yeah, like, you're absolutely right. And I know Adam Sandler's all poo-poo jokes, but I don't know. <laughs> I know he's all poo-poo jokes. <laughs> all right, so uh, we, this uh, this episode, the pilot here, they didn't really delve off into a B story. You see some kind of tangential characters. Uh, you know, you, you meet Bill, you meet Dale, you meet Boomhauer, you meet all these guys, and you see some folks back in uh, at the Little League softball game where Bobby gets hit. But really, mm-hmm. your A-story characters here are Hank, Bobby, Peggy, and Anthony Page, the CPS agent, who is affectionately referred to as Twig Boy by more than one character. <laughs> Twig Boy. Yeah, Twig Boy. Uh, all right, so Mark, I've got a couple of pros and cons here. I'm going to try and win you over yeah. with some of my pros. Yeah, And please. I'm also going to own some of the cons here because, uh, hell, it's this is the pilot. Look, it's not going to be a, a, something fantastic and polished. Show me a good pilot. I'll show you something that they pre-recorded, sent back to a test audience, and then fixed. Like absolutely. All right. Even so, like I'm sorry. Even Simpsons like is a bad pilot. Like oh, it's a terrible Futurama pilot. pilot isn't that great? It's just not. Nah, there's no such thing as a good pilot. Like anyway, you're pros. Sorry, sorry. No, you're good. And I will argue, by the way, that The Sopranos is a good pilot, but that doesn't count. It's HBO and shitloads of money. Oh, yeah, but by that count, then, like, Game of Thrones is genius, like... <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay, Join so us first... next week for our second podcast, Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, God. Don't, Day... don't make me watch season eight again. We can stop at seven. We'll, we'll, do, we'll call it First of His Name of Thrones, and it's a re- <laughs> weekly Game of Thrones review podcast. It'll be great. <laughs> We're only ten years too late, Mark. That's all. Exactly, dude. We got nothing but time and content, like... <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, okay, uh, so I'm going to read some of these pros here that I wrote down, at least that I found as, as pros. Um, I said it's a yeah. pretty solid pilot. It showcases a lot of character growth and development. Lays a pretty strong foundation for how, you know, King of the Hill's story structure is going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think they do... Well, King of the Hill does A stories, A plots, really, really good. I don't really ever see them stumble with their A plots. Some of their B plots can be absolutely horrendous. But... Yeah. Usually, their main through story on any given episode is usually pretty good. Um, so I think uh, this is really the writers trying to experiment, try and find a, a way of making Hank relatable and making Peggy relatable and making Bobby relatable in kind of a weird, not super relatable like instance. Essentially, you know, mm-hmm. somebody trying to come and take a kid away. Um, 
I gotta give them some props because it, it, that should not be funny content, and yet they made it very funny. The the idea that uh, oh, what is it? It's it's about halfway through the episode, and Bobby is he's throwing his ball, and he just keeps throwing it, and Hank just keeps hearing it, and it's thumping somewhere. Yeah. He does not know what it is, and the second he figures out what it is, the CPS agent's there, and and Meg is like, oh no, Hank wouldn't hurt a lamb, and he immediately just basically kicks in the door like the freaking juggernaut. No more bouncing that ball. I, you know, it's it shouldn't be funny, but you know, like, oh, this is the absolute worst time that you could have done that, and yet it works. I also want to point out, I don't want to jump too far off it. No, no, no. But, like, just with this, like, they establish the character of Bobby so damn well as like just an idiot eleven year old. They they make a point to say he's eleven, and then it yes. and then it messes you up because like two episodes later he's suddenly twelve. But whatever. And then it takes three seasons for him to go to thirteen. But that's fine. Whatever. So I know, but like he's eleven at that age, and he does such a good job of being a little bastard when he knows yes. he can get away with it. And Absolutely. even just that, just quit bouncing that god dang ball, like. This is not a thing that's unique to the situation. Bobby's probably just a shithead all the time, especially in this like <laughs> first this first season. Like, Absolutely. you know, it, it's, you know it's, it's not accurate. mud, Dad. It's dog do. Like, what's that? Come on. <laughs> what's that chicken sound? <laughs> uh, no, it's it, you know, it's and it's very authentic to what an eleven year old would do. Because what would an eleven yeah. year old do? He would sit there and throw his baseball at the wall until his dad screamed at him to stop because he doesn't know any better. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it, you're right. They established Bobby so strong so early. I think that's why he is one of the most memorable characters on TV in the last 20 years. Uh, yeah, I think so. Everybody knows Bobby Hill. Uh, so I also wrote down that it gives a pretty accurate portrayal of how Hank, Peggy, and Bobby are going to interact in the series. Because you see mm-hmm. a lot of Hank and Peggy talking about Bobby, and they, they can be open about, about him with each other. You know, especially near the end of the episode where they talk about, you know, Bobby's afraid you don't love him and all this. And Hank is, has no problems really telling Peggy, yeah, I love him, but I'm not going to tell him that to his face. <laughs> like, it sets up a very specific dynamic that that the entire series, it's it's a constant point of, of uh, resistance, essentially, with Hank and Bobby. And I think it's really smart that they keep calling back to it because it's a very strong dynamic that not a lot of folks saw, you know. Mm-hmm. The TV sitcom dad is always just like, by the end of the episode, well, I'm the world's best dad, and I can tell you that every single time. That doesn't happen very often. Yeah. I almost think if, like, I think, okay, so sorry, I just realized this. I think King of the Hill is if Home Improvement was real. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Like, see that. If it was an approachable version of Home Improvement. I don't know. I <clears throat> Because, and that's what makes me think about it, you just hit it like, it's always, it's the world's best dad. The dad never has a problem saying, oh, I love you, son or daughter. And yeah, maybe they have a hard time like, oh, my kid's growing up and it's kind of tough. But like, Hank does have a hard time with it because of his upbringing. And I think that's kind of important. Yeah. Yeah, you can see a lot of his parenting struggles come from being raised by Cotton. I, mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what this really looked like to, like, if I were to watch this for the very first time in 1997, but I'm with my age now, how I would feel with it being, like, counter, like, counter-programming to The Simpsons, because Homer Simpson is very much, like, the world's worst dad, and they did that very intentionally. Right. And then but Hank at the end of the day, is, his kids still know that they, that Homer loves them. Exactly. And, yeah. And, the complete flip side of that is somebody like Tim Allen in Home Improvement, the world's best dad. And then they, they somehow found this weird middle ground for Hank 
And I'm just, I would mm-hmm. be so curious to see, like, just re- like erase my mind and see what my reaction would be to that in that time. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else do I got here? Uh, I see a, there's a clear division of family and friend stories that are that's going to become a staple for the for the writing in seasons to come. Um, mm-hmm. They establish a lot of Hank's friends that, as if they're family, and they do that really early on. And I think that's a good thing because when you go on a side story where, oh hell, Boomhauer gets uh, stuck in the mental institution because he just was floating down the river too long and you spent half yeah. an episode with him and bill and dale all doing their own thing trying to get out of the mental hospital like you're not annoyed by it they're basically just family it's just a family v story right i think they said but, that yeah but these guys have grown up together too though you know True, I, or, exactly. I guess we already said that but like these guys have grown up together you know that so it's not i don't know they are family and i, I also it's weird to me too I feel like in the 90s, you knew who your neighbor was. And maybe it's because I live in an apartment. I don't talk to my neighbors. I don't hang right. out with them. I don't want to know them outside of, like, a casual, weird, like, hey, what's up in the hallway, you know? Oh, for but, sure. Like, and I, maybe it is because they're all friends. But even, and I'm, I don't think he says it in this until later. But, like, just, like, Hank's position as block captain. And it's, right. he's like the weird king of the block and... But at the same time, everybody has... Oh, I don't know if they respect him or they're afraid of him. I don't know. Which, I, I don't know. It could be... Well, and it also could be a very Texas thing. You and I are not Texas natives. And from what I've heard, this is a pretty authentic experience of Texas in the 90s. Especially hmm. in those, like, uh, more suburban areas. Because well, Mike Judge was from Texas, right? He's from Mike Houston? Judge is from Texas. And he's got a lot of yeah. love for Texas. I, I've heard a lot of folks try and tell me that... You know, they don't want to watch this show because all they've heard is that it just constantly bags on Texas. And I, I really just, my answer every single time is that if you've ever watched five minutes of this, you'll find out that Hank is the most proud Texan you'll ever meet. And they don't really, yeah. like, they don't make that a fault of his. No, not at all. It's, it, yeah, it's like maybe his greatest character strength. It Honestly, my, it's it's one of them. That is dedication to, to some of the stupidest shit in the world. Sweet Lady Propane. <laughs> that man and his principles. God, I know. We'll, well get there, uh, I'm sure. But Oh, I, I know we will. We've got a long journey to get there. Mark, yes. do you got any pros that, that out of this pilot episode, like, I don't know how recently you rewatched it, but can you think of anything that really stuck out to you that, that really is a, like it's a good thing, something that, that you can think of and, and be fonded, fondly reminded of? Um, I like Twig Boy. It's funny. I, I almost feel bad for him in this episode because they are unduly mean to him. But this guy like brings it on himself. He really does. Um. So I have a bunch of notes, but I didn't do pros and cons. Um. No. So I did touch that Bobby. Okay. So number one, uh, the one thing that sticks out to me is Bobby doing Hank is hilarious. Yeah, that is that, in my my little section. Here that's my boy. He ain't much, but he's all I got. <laughs> Even down to the animation where they get him flushed cheeks and everything just like flushed hey. cheeks and like fills out. And... Oh god, it's the best. <laughs> I um, we I don't. It's ugly animation for this, and I know we're doing pros here. But right. when he gets nailed by that ball, wow, that's like they blew all the animation budget for Dragon Ball Z. You know, like <laughs> yeah, that's the that's like the, finally we get the spirit bomb after fifteen episodes of Bobby getting beamed, but. <laughs> oh it's and it's that's a very, really like it looks like it hurts 
Like, yeah, like you could feel it. And in such like an ugly, choppy, blocky 1990s, we haven't outsourced to Korea yet way. Yeah, right. that's a really pretty scene. I guess maybe Don Bluth animated that scene. Who can say? <laughs> Horrible and beautiful. Horrible and beautiful. Um, I don't know. It's like, like I say, as a pro, or I guess you said as a pro, they really do a solid job of establishing everybody's character and everybody's role in this. But right. I think it's funny that, like, number one, we see Luann as this weird uh, mechanical genius. Yes. And she stops doing that, I want to say sometime in the first season. And that's yeah, always kind of weird. And she's like talking about, oh, yeah, it's, you know, this it's this is what's wrong with your truck, Uncle Hank. Oh, okay, that's fine. Um, yeah, because he spent the yeah. whole episode trying to fix his, his day. Yeah. Um, Dale is an asshole. I love Dale. <laughs> you kept the brake line. No, I didn't. You really think you should be messing around with his truck? I'm just going to help him get the alternator off. That's all. <laughs> You cut the brake line. No, I didn't. I, I think Dale is super because <laughs> we've all had that friend that thinks they're trying to help, and then the second you turn your back, they totally jack it up, and then they just bounce. It's all they're wrong. like, nope, never mind. I'm not going to see you till you're not pissed off at me anymore. <laughs> A good establishing of Dale just ruining everything for poor Hank. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and they, they, they started out very strong that as much as Bill is somebody that Hank has to constantly look out for, Dale is just as bad or worse. Yes. The, yeah, for the same but completely different. I have to imagine that the Fox executives that looked at this, they, they went for the name first because Mike Judge was a pretty big name at the time. Um, mm-hmm. I don't remember when Beavis and Butthead movie came out, but I know it broke box office records for an animated movie. It, like busted a bunch of Disney records. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Um, so I know that his name alone had some drawing power, but uh, like we were saying earlier, one of the pros of this is that so many people and so many characters in here are very well-defined, and they'll carry that definition throughout the series. And so you go into a pilot with something that's very specific and knows exactly where it's supposed to go. Like, they got a lot right in this pilot. They really did. Like, And it establishes it so well, and it sets it so well. I almost forget that, I don't know. It's it's so much different to me, though, because what really sticks to me is the voices are the voices you hear for the rest of the show. Yes. Hank is a little bit like, I don't know what you call him, like, more stunted. And I think he gets a little more fluid, like, and even in the second episode. But he's the only one. Everybody else is who they're going to be. For sure. Do you know what I mean? It's oh, not, absolutely. And again, the one that always sticks to me is Futurama, because Fry sounds weird, but Bender sounds super, super weird. Uh, so does Dr. Zoidberg. Hell, he's and Zoidberg, in the first yeah. couple episodes. Oh, God, I forgot about Zoidberg teeth. <laughs> they don't exist no, if you just can't see them. <laughs> How about your cons? Give me, because you're, you're not going to sell me on this episode because I already like it, but sure, what do you not sure. like about it? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I've got, I've got quite a bit of cons, actually, or at least it looks like a lot based on my notes here. Um, <laughs> first and foremost, and you already hit on it, this animation is ugly as shit. Yeah. Like, and it is a pilot, so I'll give it some, you know, a little bit. But, like, this looks as bad as Tracy Ullman Simpsons. It is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't think it's really going to start looking good until probably the second season, maybe midway through, I want to say. And it's not going to really perfect itself until season four or five. Like, but don't you think it, that's probably yeah. closer to, like, the digital animating? Because they weren't doing so much by hand and... I think that's 
part of it. Yeah, I also just think like they've got animators that have worked with those character models enough that like mm. they've got some fluidity with it. But especially yeah. by season four or five, like those episodes start to look really nice and crisp. Yeah. Um, voices and characters aren't quite there yet in the pilot. Uh, I would disagree with you only a little bit that Hank is the only one that's voice isn't right. Uh, Bill's okay. voice is it's, it's a little bit lower and a little bit slower than it will eventually be. But I'm used to hearing Bill way up here, <laughs> always doing something stupid, and then usually he's frazzled about something, so he's talking a lot faster. This is before they've kind of established Bill as the pathetic camp load that he is. True, very true. Uh, but really, I know you're, you are pretty spot on, though, like every other character, they really don't change their voices. So, yeah. I, I mean, it's, well, it's like, a con, Especially it's a, Peggy stands out to me, because Peggy doesn't change... Even in this one, she's doing the whole mispronouncing Spanish things, and yeah. Peggy nails it. Or Kathy and Jimmy nails it, like, with this initial... I don't know, but... Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of any other con... I've got some stupid animation notes, if, you, if you'll indulge me real quick. Absolutely. Okay, so literally, first shot of the scene, there's a dude mowing his lawn on a riding mower and drives by a picnic table a guy is setting. You're an asshole di- guy driving the lawnmower, but you're an idiot guy with a picnic table. What What the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> right. Um, when the rumor mill, I guess, for lack of a better term, is churning, everybody is just Peggy and Nancy, and they don't even bother trying to stop it. And this you're was right. a weird point for me, because... You know the softball announcer for or any any time they have the announcer, yes. You can't I, up until I think I was like even now I'm not entirely sure that it's not Dale announcing. You know what I mean? Unless you see Dale in the stands with the Hill family, it's tough to know who's calling anything because it's just uh, what Johnny Hardwick, right? I, it is Johnny Hardwick. I think. Yeah, I'm not but even it's sure just though. him doing him. Like it might, I I don't know. The announcer actually might be Toby Huss. You'd have to look that up. It could no, but it sounds so much like Dale. It it? Or am I crazy? Does. And I mean, yeah, this is like a nitpick for later down the line, but I just think it's funny because like they established ruler and I'm whatever. How it, it, it's got to be tough, especially in the '90s, to try and get voice to to like flesh out a full cast of characters for a TV pilot episode. And so sure. why not just go, hey, you two, just record this copy. Do we change our voices? Now you're fine. It doesn't matter. You're fine. Just do it. <laughs> right. We can Hank's save beating on- his kid. All right. In three, two, one. Yeah, we could save on hiring a bunch of extra actors if we just make you guys work twice as hard because it's a pilot. Exactly. Yeah. And then Seth MacFarlane saw that and goes, oh, whoops all me's. Yeah, I'm just going to But at least Seth MacFarlane ever. can change his voice. Like, um, And then finally, the, the one most glaring, awful thing about this is Hank's goddamn BLT sandwich. <laughs> and I'm I mean, sorry, his, his bacon I don't and know. Bacon and bacon sandwich. Bacon and bacon and bacon, and then he pours the fat into the can, looks around, because he knows what he's doing is wrong and disgusting and a sin against man and nature, and dips that damn knife in and spreads it up anyway. I, it's so bad. I, I in, my, in my notes, I wrote, Hank's BLT, equal, horrific. Yes, absolutely. I have never once tried putting bacon fat on something, like bacon grease on something instead of mayonnaise, because I have just recently started liking mayonnaise. Really? Yeah, well, I tell you what, I've recently started more than just liking mayonnaise. It now goes on a lot of shit, and it goes a lot of it goes on a lot of shit now. Oh, all right. Uh, give me another. Give me another con. What else you got? And every uh, so time what, we keep saying con, I'm so proud of us for not making a super news and bone. Whatever. Anyway, give not, me another con. I haven't even brought up con super news and bone because um, he doesn't exist yet. I don't know who he is. You don't know who he is. I, well, I mean, whatever. It's true. 
So we kind of talk, talked on this a little bit already, but Hank and Bobby are, are very kind of defined, but a lot of the other mm-hmm. characters, like, they haven't quite built their character yet. And I'm, I'm putting it in a con even though I know it's the pilot. Because everything else okay. just looks so damn good, I needed to find something to nitpick. But even then, there's a lot of stuff that is, is still, like, the groundwork is laid in this episode. Dale starts already starts talking about uh, uh, conspiracies with... Uh, Oh, what is it talking about growing oranges in Alaska? Yeah. Like trying yeah, to get yeah. rid of pollution control. Which is control. weird. Super weird that he's there. I mean, not super weird, because I feel like this is when Al Gore started going insane with it. But like, right. we're getting a, a, a global warming cautionary tale in, ni- we're going to call this 1996 if it aired in like, what did you say, January 11th, 1997. Yeah. They filmed this in 96. This is very. This is 25 years ago. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And now you think we can, we can probably grow oranges in Alaska by this point, right? We oh, we definitely could grow oranges in Alaska. But if it gets hotter than 110, I'm kicking your ass. Um, so I don't know. Like, There's a lot of really good groundwork for that sort of stuff. I want to say, because uh, I just watched this the other day, that Bill even brings up his uh, previous relationship with Lenore. And mm-hmm. that's going to be a through line throughout this entire series, like Bill and Lenore is. Um, we didn't get any, we don't get any womanizing with Boomhauer until like the third episode. So that's kind of sad, but... Like, I don't know, they do a really good job. They're just not quite as polished as they could be. I don't think that you need it, though. It's a pilot. We don't need to establish that sure, my one sure. neighbor's a conspiracy theorist, my other neighbor's a poon hound, and my other neighbor is a crying, sad, pantload divorcee. Like, Bill's already kind of sad-ish, but he's kind of more... And I've noticed this coming up, like, in the next episodes after this. Bill gets a little more, like, not snippy. But it seems like later on in the series, he becomes more, a lot more like subservient to Hank. Absolutely. But in these first couple episodes, he's Bill is almost, uh, yeah, but he's almost kind of like dickishly independent. Like he'll yeah. all, like Bill seems like Dale's always the one to like take the piss out of Hank. But it seems like in these first couple episodes, and we'll get into this next episode with it. But when um, he's making fun of Hank for over trimming the tree. And that's yeah. a big one. Like, you don't question a man on his pruning skills. Like, come on, Bill, what are you up to? You know? No, even if Boy. it looks like a giant phallus. Yeah, but that, anyway, that's, that, sorry, we're looking ahead of ourselves, but. We are. I don't we know. Are. That one's weird. Uh, yeah. Uh, established characters. I don't know. I think it does an all right job. And I'll it be does. honest, I watched this one two days ago, and then I watched the other two this morning, and all I can see is that scene with uh, John Redcorn talking about with Matanye, but <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, like, and like I was saying, I had to, I had to kind of scrounge for something. There's not a lot of cons in here that I can't attribute to the fact that it's, it's a pilot. Uh, one thing that I have, I've, I've started to pick out and notice, especially in this first season. And we'll go into it when we talk about some other episodes is I really don't like when you put yourself in a very specific time bubble. And, you, you know, you do a pop culture reference because that really, it, like, limits you. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of what the one was that they did. It's, oh, it's, they're talking about Seinfeld. Now, yeah. we all know what Seinfeld is, and it is a pop culture phenomenon that's been around for 20 years. But if King of the Hill is around in 40, who all is going to know about that? They're, they're not going to find it nearly as funny because they don't realize the show is as old as Seinfeld. Right. So, I don't know, I, I've noticed in these first couple of episodes, like, they have these weird references. Like, there's one for one for the TV show Friends, uh, there's another one about Bob Dole. Like, 
it's like you guys are you're hitting these jokes and while they're funny at the time and I still find them funny because I grew up with all this these situations you have the context for it it's exactly and I want I want to try and pitch to you the idea that this show is pretty timeless and that makes it real hard to pitch to you <laughs> but it is though because they're still making fun of like I don't know they're still making fun of TV they're still making fun of political figures it's just right. insert guy here right well there's only a handful of episodes and some of them are not my favorite episodes that really push hard into what is happening currently. Uh, the the mm-hmm. biggest glaring one I can see is the Y2K episode. Oh, and I, I like think that's it, one of but, my favorites though. But uh, yeah, but the fact that it's all centered around Y2K, like it didn't need to do that. You could have just had some weird computer conspiracy that Dale finally convinced Hank was happening. I don't know though. Remember two? Remember nineteen ninety nine? It was a horrifying time. Like yeah, we thought the world was gonna end. And then it ended a year later, but whatever. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, we, we got some favorite moments here, Mark. Well, you already kind of said yours, right? Yeah, no, straight up, it's just Bobby getting up to his antics. Um, The the golf clubbing, or, yeah, the, the whacking the fence and the entire section falling off. <laughs> Me, Mark, now knows that's lazy animation because that's not how fences are built. Because those, like, point rails are still there. But it's better that way because he's not. It just all falls down, and the family looks at him. Respect my fence is right to be a fence. It's that's <laughs> right. great. I would also um, like to point out there's an inconsistency right there with that scene because there's a family that lives next to Hank that never lives there, and the only other guy we know that lives around Hank that we've never seen is the like 600 pound shut-in that had to get pulled out of his house. Isn't that just Con's house? It is Con's house, but Con's not there no, but that's yet. A... Oh. Oh, that's right. You're right. No, I thought the shut-in was Bill's neighbor. That's my... No, I'm thinking of the old guy that died in his house and no one knew about it, uh, right? Pops. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's Sorry, that's what I'm thinking of. But uh, to me, okay, I was just yeah, like, well, okay. I mean, if you want to play that card, I guess the shut-in could have family that wants to just go hang out outside without him, but that's kind of fucked up. Well, yeah, but that house smells like shut-in ass. Like, you're not going to want to be out there. <laughs> it's very true. And what uh, I can only assume is the height of a Texas summer. That place smells. Oh, just, you are literally baking in there in his own juices. Whoa, sealed in his flavors. I gotta say, uh, my favorite my favorite moment of the whole episode is is Hank with the music swelling behind him, just screaming at Anthony Page. You know what? Mm-hmm. My boy ain't much, but he's all I got. He just gets all red in the face, and he's like, "I want you to get out of here. You're not welcome in my house." And then all of a sudden, he just completely stops. Peggy, I need you to go get my headache powder. Get me my BC headache powder. I just, it's, it's that to me, it, one, is hilarious. Because the, look on that guy's face when he chases him out the door and slaps his little Geo as he's speeding away yeah. is hilarious to me. But it's so indicative of what Hank will come to represent. He's going to stand up yeah. for what he believes is right. And damn, if he's not going to just keep standing. A- absolutely, yeah. But, oh, it cracks me up. <laughs> All right, Mark, are we ready to give this a rating? Do we want to kind of talk about our rating system? Before we do that, before we do that, I have one stupid note. Sure. Okay, so Dale makes a reference when they're talking about global warming and the UN, and he says, Boutros, Boutros, golly, golly. Yes. This is the dumbest thing I've ever gotten into ever. And mind you, I do like hours of research for another podcast. It's even dumber than King of the Hill. But You talk about cryptids like nobody's business. 
<laughs> like, yeah. So, Boutros Ghali was the secretary of the UN. He was followed by Yosef Boutros Ghali as the, that's who also followed him. So we have jo Boutros Ghali and you, Yosef, or Yusef Boutros Ghali. And I would never have known that if I didn't decide to be like too smart for Dale Gribble and like look into something, but that's what it is. It's apparently the guy, the, the, there was a, a secretary of the UN named Ghali or Boutros Ghali succeeded by a guy named Boutros Ghali. I don't know if that's a big deal or not. I thought it was hilarious. Because, like you were saying, with, with, with like the Seinfeld, where it's, well, that's such a, just a one single snap moment. Right. But I couldn't tell you who the Secretary of the UN is right now in 2021, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> I miss when the UN was the, the worst thing we had to fear, was them kind of oh turning God, on us. Right? That was our conspiracy. They were afraid of us getting too dickish, and we were like, hey, don't you limit our ability to get dickish, UN. And now we just like don't even, we're not even pretending anymore. Like nope. But anyway, yeah. Let's move on from there. Let's discuss our rating system that we probably should have done at the top of the episode, but that doesn't matter because what we're gonna do now, Johnny, and listeners at home and the bus and wherever the hell you are in your car don't really care. Grilling with some sweet lady propane. Our rating system is gonna break down like this. At the very very bottom, you have charcoal. Charcoal is a failure. Charcoal is the worst you can possibly do. Don't bring it into my house. We're going to church. Let's pray. Following that, we have megalo quality. You can count this as like a bronze. It's not a good one, but it's not a bad one. It's just there. Then we have butane as our silver medal. It's getting better. It's getting better all the time, but there's still some like glaring little things. After butane silver, we have the Char King Imperial. That is the gold standard of episode. This episode is great. It's perfect, except for it's not because you can never quite be perfect. But then when you reserve, we have one further one and it's Lupe's Revenge. And that's one is going to go to the Blue Flame of Valor. That is the top tier. That is 110%. That is the best you're ever going to get. And Johnny, I hope, I really hope we don't give out too many Blue Flames of Valor. Lest we become like too horny for King of the Hill. No, I really think uh, if I'm going to be objective with this, and I'm going to try my best because uh, if I'm honest with you, that's the only way I'm going to win you over. If I'm going to be objective, yes. uh, and I, I can make a bold prediction here, we're going to see five. Five total Blue Flames of Valor in the entire series. I am writing this down right now. Five total. I really don't There's think I can, I can name any other, many more than five as perfect episodes. And you better believe that Yankee Hanky is one of them. And, um... Beer Can Named Desire. A Beer Can Named Desire. Oh, I can't wait to get there. Okay, so, but not there. We're here. Where do you fall on this scale? From so, Charcoal to Blue Flame of Valor, what do you rank the pilot episode as? I gave the pilot a butane rating. Okay, why? Yep. I, I, You know, I see it as it's a very solid start. It's got some very memorable moments. It's got consistent characters. The only unfortunate is that there are some ugly-ass characters set in some ugly-ass backdrops. That's the biggest flaw I could find with this. But it's the pilot. So it's, you know, sue them for being a pilot and having, not having everything worked out right away, right? Absolutely. Just like this episode is going to be really weird because we don't have everything worked out right away. It's true. Hey, we just kind of go organically. Whatever's doing really good, that's what we keep. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. Uh, I'm giving it a butane, literally for the same reasons you did, except for one. It it just, this one doesn't hold up as well. There's this weird, or maybe it does, maybe it holds up too well, and that's what upsets me so bad. 
but it's this weird fear of bureaucracy and we're at a time when like everyone's afraid of the government and the government's only here to ruin you and everything yeah and it's just weird if you watch it today it holds up almost too well but not well enough for the right beats but i also don't think you could make it you don't you couldn't make this episode today like no. if family guy did an episode even now like if they did an episode like that where the kids are going to get taken because they think Peter's beating the kids or something, it's not going to be funny. It's not going to be enjoyable. And you're not going to get the weird moments that like, like you were talking about where Hank runs out and like nails the geo, but no, I'm going to give it a butane. They're figuring out where they're at. They've got some good solid points, but the animation is God awful ugly. The voice acting, especially with the over use of uh, Peggy and, Nancy's voices just as yeah. other people in town. You don't have an intern. Kathy and Jimmy can only do a voice. It's God. You can't even get Brittany Murphy to do it. Like, right. you know what I mean? And she's doing Joseph too, which I think is important to point out, but they're not important. But for these early episodes, it's still Brittany Murphy. Cause he hasn't gone through puberty yet. That's right. We'll get her as Joseph for about three seasons. I think. Yeah, 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 but that's it, it sticks out to me, it sticks in my craw, but again, it's like you're saying, it's the pilot. I'm not going to expect gold out of it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think this is as good a place as any to wrap up. Johnny, we, we've hit it. It's a double butane for us. It's a bastard gas, but it's not a bastard episode. Absolutely. Definitely rewatchable. Yeah, absolutely rewatchable. I didn't, I didn't rewatch it the other day and go, God, this is garbage, and then have just nothing but dread for the upcoming whatever how long we're doing this for right so that's nice at least fantastic well uh i guess this is where we thank all of our lovely awesome listeners for kind of going on this this whole journey with us hopefully you guys like it hopefully you guys like this format and um hopefully we don't bore you too much with our weird minutia constant callbacks to the episode i hope we do bore them because that's what we're here for we're analyzing it we're not (laughs) just talking all the good shit we're warts and all damn it that's true you gotta get ugly to get pretty (laughs) And while we're here, I still think, as of episode number one, The King of the Hill is a good show. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, yeah, you can find us at danglepodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for a Twitter to follow, and maybe even a Facebook page, but probably not because it's a damn uh, snake pit. You can find me at Marky Stardust on Twitter. You can also find my other project podcast, Two Wizards Podcast. And Johnny, where can the good people find you at? Uh, you guys can find me streaming on occasion on twitch.tv slash krautball. Just like sauerkraut and Swedish meatballs, but all one word. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Have a good day, night, whatever the hell you have. Just have a good one of it. Have a good one, everybody.